What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's royal visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. Dog, give me two. You talk, give me two. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, welcome to the Palazzo Podcast Prospect Power Half Hour. Uh, I'm your pinch hitting host for the week, Phil Goyette, uh, and we've got Big Gentle Ben, Ben Chase, with us as usual. Uh, you can follow Ben on Twitter at Big Gentle Ben. Uh, you can follow myself at Phil of Sports, and you can check out our show, the Prospect Power Half Hour. Usually hosted by Mike Govier, uh, and we're on every Wednesday night for a half hour. We try to get you the most info relevant to help you out with Dynasty, with Fantasy, um, or if you just like talking prospects, that's actually what we, what we like to do the most. So uh, today, or well, tonight for me, today for you, uh, we're going to talk about kind of a recap of Dynasty Baseball in 2022. Uh, ben has put together some notes on some players who've exploded on the dynasty scene this year. So we'll talk about them. Um, some guys who are exploding, but you maybe need to use some caution when you think about them for next year, or if you're doing like startup drafts this off season, which should be actually probably starting pretty soon, which is exciting. Um, and then we're going to talk about some guys on competitive MLB teams that are prospects but made the MLB jump this year and even contributed on some competitive teams. You're actually watching them contribute in the playoffs right now. Mm -hmm. So Ben's got some notes on those guys too. So we'll kind of go over all of it. And then as usual, if you want to leave us any comments here in the chat, I'll do my best to try and keep up with them and answer questions on the fly, which is our favorite thing to do. So 
Ben, how's it going, man? Going good. Busy. I just I just put out today my uh, pitcher and hitter of the year article as far as wrapping up the minor league season and uh, been busy with my day job, uh, a little extra busy because we got some stuff going on. And so I haven't had a chance to do a lot of baseball writing lately. And so it's fun to just yep. kind of dig in and do some of that. And re- boy, really looking at the minor league numbers, there's a lot to just a lot of fun to just kind of see how guys did. I mean, there's just some really there's stuff that sticks out. You're just blown away at some of the numbers. And I mean, for instance, there's one guy in the entire minor leagues, Anthony Volpe, which everyone says had a rough year, right? Because everyone remembers his April and May, which was rough. And it led to his overall batting average this year is under 250. But okay. he is the only guy in the minors this year who went 2050. He had 20 home <laughs> runs and 50 steals. Only guy in the minors who did it. But when I went through and did all my numbers, because there are, I think, five guys who went 2040. Um, I mean, and there's I mean, there's just a number of other guys who had really good power plus speed numbers and just a whole lot of other stuff to deal with. Volpe didn't even make my list of guys who I even considered for the top player of the year. So, um, so yeah, it's it was a tough choice this year to really pick out my hitter of the year. The guy who I picked for my hitter of the year was Von Brown. Um, Love it. Uh, he yes. was batting average. Uh, he ended up having the highest batting average, the highest WRC plus in all the minors. He was actually... Uh, literally sixth in on base and slugging and i think even with a, that crappy park even yeah. with the crappy park too richmond and yeah he had a 20 no he he finished in richmond but only had one game but oh, he played okay. across bo- almost evenly across both a ball levels which san jose you know san jose is pretty decent park but eugene eugene is but it's not great at the same time i mean it's it's a good park for hitters, but it's also a, I mean, it's a, you're playing at a college baseball park, you know, it's, there's advantages and disadvantages too. the wind comes across <laughs> that park and can really mess with a ball. Um, so you have a ball that you think is going out and it hooks it foul a lot. Um, you know, if you, there's a lot of balls that get hung up in the air that you hit, you know, if you hit that ball up at all, a lot of times they get hung up in the air in that ballpark. So there's some things about Eugene that oftentimes prevent a home run, but he had just a tremendous year, went 20-40, just scored a hundred runs. I mean, just a lot of really good things on the year and coming from a D2 guy, that's a big, big, big year. Um, and then, um, you know, but at the same time, if you're looking for, you know, I did that just based on pure numbers. For us looking at Dynasty, that's probably not a guy you're really terribly looking at because he's 24. And yeah. probably I've got him. Yeah. <laughs> a couple spots. I, I picked him up in a league too. Yeah. That at the same time, probably not a terribly huge long-term guy. Although with his workout regimen. He could be one of those guys that pops up like a Mike Dostromsky who comes up later, you know, a 27-year-old guy that comes up and has a productive four- or five-year run. That absolutely could be the case. 
Um, and the Giants are not bad with these types of players. Exactly. That's I was just to yeah. say he's in the perfect organization to to yep. have a slow burn development. Um, but my pitcher is exactly the same guy that I've mentioned as far as our big breakout, the guy who was my pitcher of the year. And I actually put his last name incorrectly on the list I sent to Phil, um, <laughs> which was actually a fun throwback to an old reliever that was <laughs> guy that I think I rostered all the time back in the day. I threw Andrew <laughs> Bailey on there, but it's actually Andrew Painter. Andrew Painter. Is the guy. Yeah, I figured. Um, Andrew Painter went from a high school draftee in 2021 to pitching well in double A by the end of the year. And 100 innings pitched, 150 strikeouts, led all of the minor leagues among qualified pitchers in FIP, in WHIP, was second in ERA, and was second in strikeout percentage. I mean, that's a hell of a rate for, or a hell of a thing for, they like said, you're talking about a guy who's, tw- I think he finished the year at 20 years old. So you're still, yeah, double 20 A. and double A. That's amazing. A, yeah. That's a, As a pitcher of, and a prep and a prep, prep pitcher, pitcher too. And not only that, but he is showing command at six, seven, six, seven, that that's always one of those. Once you get over six, five, that those guys that can actually command that stuff, and especially high school guys that can command that stuff at that height are a rare find. And those guys that can do it usually end up as aces. And so that's that's the type of path that Andrew Painter has now put himself on. So if you have him in Dynasty, that's a hold. <laughs> Don't that's not a <laughs> even a, though it's a, a good trade chip sort hold. of guy. That's a that's a I just found myself a, a holy crap, you know. <laughs> I ended up cashing in my penny poker chip and, you know, got a million out of it or something, you know, it's, <laughs> it's that, that was a hell of a deal right there. But the other guy that I just said was an exploding on the scene. It folks saw him last year did really, really well, but Ellie data De La Cruz. Oh to yeah. Go at the age he was to hit the way that he did in double a. And really, I mean, he didn't just hit, but I mean, the tanks that he hit. <laughs> I mean, the yeah. guy hit some of some of the biggest home runs of the year. Had I mean, essentially, this guy, Ellie De La Cruz, is O'Neill Cruz with patience. <laughs> like as far as the talent skills go, he's not six seven, and that might help him down the road a little bit. But he and he's got a little bit less arm. But other than that, you're really looking at that type of a very similar skill set. High end, elite power, elite speed, and elite arm, and just all kinds of you know, just jumping out of the box talent. But yet he can also take a walk. And yeah, he's gonna strike out some. But geez, can he just rock at a baseball? Yeah, you take you take the strikeouts if he's going to hit it as hard but as he does, as long 25%. as they stay around thirty percent or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, he, he he wasn't. I mean, Cruz all the way up was a thirty percent guy, and Dela yeah. Cruz at the end of the year this year was at twenty five. That I'll take that. You yep. know, that's power hitters in the league are twenty five to thirty percent guys. If you're a 
if you can finish, you know, if you can keep that level of talent, man, that's going to be a fun, that's going to be a fun player. If he can put that kind of power and still keep up some speed. I mean, you see guys like that in like Ronald Acuna, you know, players like that in the league are fantasy absolute difference makers when they're healthy. Byron Buxton, when he's healthy and actually running, those are difference makers on your teams. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this might be right. Acuna is somebody that has also chipped away at a strikeout rate throughout his his pro career, or in the bigs, I should say. So he has made more contact um, as, as he progressed in the bigs. From his so from his minor league days, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. He so it's not unheard of that, you know, Ellie Day LaCruz could be thirty percent strikeout rate this year, you know, twenty seven next year, twenty five the year following. Uh, Luis Robert actually kind of did the same thing with the White Sox. So um, when he actually plays, uh, his yeah. rate his strikeout rate has come down too. Uh, so we kind of sadly we got some people checking in. Govier checked in in bed. Chad checked in in bed. <laughs> Now, I don't know if they're in the same bed, but to maybe I, dig a little further a little on awkward, that one. Yeah. Uh, Russell said, what's up? So what's up, Russell? Um, so if any of you guys have questions, make sure you fire them in. And then we got a question here. Uh, <laughs> we're already talking about 2023 fantasy drafts. 2023, any players to draft for fantasy late round in drafts? And I'm assuming this is young guys. So uh, maybe we'll jump to... The MLB jump section that you put yeah. together, Ben, and we can talk about any of these guys. If it's somebody you want to target late uh, in your redraft leagues next year, um, so so Ben had pointed out that this year maybe was unique in that we saw a lot of prospects making jumps on competitive teams and being contributors on those competitive teams. And we'll start with the Braves because Ben's on the show. Uh, but no, really, the Braves are just. You have to admit, are have been pretty consistently strong in this area of having players make an MLB jump, uh, and then being a consistent contributor, and then eventually becoming core players. Um, so this year they had really a three-headed monster of guys that got called up: Spencer Strider, uh, Michael Harris the second, and Vaughn Grissom. And you know who's not on here, but I would think too. What about William Contreras too? Was another guy, yeah, that made a pretty good transition yeah. so and the only um, reason i think i didn't have him on here is because he wasn't rookie eligible coming into the year so oh I didn't, yeah there you go like i think all these guys that i had on the list that i gave you were rookie eligible but there's other guys on each team that are were in their second year or things like that so but yeah there's uh um yeah the braves you have some definite excellent young players i mean and you could go as far as that goes. Dylan Lee in the bullpen had a hell of a year as a middle reliever. And, you know, there were times when he was the setup man based on some injuries and things going on. I mean, that's, there's some <laughs> tremendous, they just, they're willing to bring up a guy, put him into the right spot and let him show whether or not they got it, which that's, yeah. That's impressive. And you and I were talking before the show about Bryce Elder. Same thing yeah. came up. And yeah, it was four or five starts this year. But he failed or, or midseason, came up, kind of got hit around pretty hard in a couple of starts. 
but they stayed with him. And at the end of the year, when they just needed to f- run out the string, when Strider wasn't was down and they needed someone to eat some innings. And that's what yeah. Elder does really well is just, he goes out and he just eats up innings. He did. And he did it extremely well. He tossed a shutout, you know, <laughs> that nine inning shutout, yeah. which that was the first complete game for the Braves of the season. <laughs> <laughs> was the, the, the shutout that he pitched in the last week of the year. That's, you know, impressive just right there. But no, Strider as they were and Harrison. Putting, as they were putting away the Mets, uh, yeah. like the like the kid on the Simpsons, uh, stop, stop, they're already dead. Yeah. You know? well. They bring Elder up for the curb stop at the end. Um, well, and we talked about uh, maybe the Braves – trust their ability to understand the personality of their prospects. And Ben, you had an interesting point about Spencer Strider. If you want to maybe elaborate on, on what they saw in Strider the year that they drafted him that maybe other people didn't see. Well, and he's, he's a guy, he is a very much a, a, I don't know if you call it a book guy. Uh, He really, he gets into studying his game post game. And that was something that they had talked about after drafting him out of Clemson, that he was he was a guy that really was big into talking about and studying how his spin rate was changing, how is the all that mm-hmm. stuff. And it was the twenty shortened 2020 season. He had really kind of made the transition to a starter that year. So he really didn't have a whole lot of show as a starter. And so he kind of came in going, okay, I'm willing to do some work to change, to do what I need to do. And if you could show me it's working, I'm willing to do that. Well, yeah, you know, you have that sort of attitude walking into a program there. I mean, I find me a major league team that isn't willing to work with a player like that. And especially one yep. that's got enough arm talent to end up pumping out hundred mile an hour fastballs. I mean, Strider last year, was working with uh, the, I don't know if you, they call it the bowling ball slider because um, mm-hmm. it kind of falls off the way that Luke Jackson's slider is what it's known as in the Braves bullpen. But that's what they taught Strider in spring training 2021. He worked on it, ended up in the bullpen at the very end of the year last year uh, yep. in the, at the major league level. And everyone kind of thought, oh, well, then, you know, he'll be a fastball slider guy making the bullpen. That'll work. Well, over the offseason, he said, you know what? I think I'm going to change my slider shape just a little bit and get a distinct curve, too. Well, he didn't use that curve very much because the slider shape that he got was so hard for pitch for hitters to distinguish from his fastball yep. that it was an incredibly effective slider. And he actually found that it was really, it put less stress on his elbow. He could throw it repeatedly. It became a pitch that he could basically become a two-pitch starter with that fastball slider. That's, he found that through working with it, working with the coaches, looking at the numbers, the analytics on those pitches, you know, and folks like to give him a hard time about his start with the Mets where he came off the field and went, God, they just got lucky against me. Well, it's because he looked at the numbers and saw that they had like six hits against him and five of them were expected batting average of like 180. And so yeah. he, he quite literally... It's, and it's not a bad attitude. 
not a bad attitude to have as a pitcher because then you can flush it. And that's, you know, if, but it's I mean, not like they just... beat him. They just, yeah, I love it. All right. So and... here's, let me give you a fantasy question with the Braves guys. Uh, I'm going to throw Strider out between Harris and Grissom. Who's the better? Let's just go redraft. Who's the better redraft player next year? Who will make you more money in redraft Harris or Grissom? Easily Harris. Just because yeah, he so. absolutely has a role. Yeah. Grissom very well could end up starting the year in AAA. I do believe that there's a good likelihood that he's spending 90% of the year in Atlanta. But um, simply because, depending on what they do with Swanson, yeah, shortstop, play? what they yeah. do with that shortstop position. I don't think they will trust him at the shortstop position. Uh, with the shifting rules coming in, everything like that, he's not going to be able to handle that position. Um, he's never played competitive outfield. So you need to have some work with that stuff. And yeah. he's going to need an offseason of that and probably a little bit of spring, at least some springtime, and it might be he spends a month in Gwinnett learning or playing outfield, too. <clears throat> now, the other end of things there, um, we've seen Ozzy can go down, you know, at second base. Yep. They could, you know, bring in a a guy that they intend to, you know, I, I have a feeling that one of their money things this offseason is, season is going to be eating Ozuna's contract. Um, I, I, it's one of those things that's kind of loudly being whispered by people within and without the Braves organization. Um, but they do that. Well, then there's going to likely be a bat brought in that can play left field and or DH. And yeah. then, so you have, you know, if somebody needs to fill in in left field and Gris and Grissom gets some work to where he can handle left field, get some DH time, you know, where he could end up being a guy who plays a little left field, a little second base. Maybe he gets some time over at third, gives Dansby a day off at short or something. You know, now that yeah. said, Dansby is one of two guys in, in MLB that played 162 games this year. The other guy was Matt Olson. So, you know, they're, if Swanson stay returns, <laughs> if Swanson returns, it, you know, it might not be a spot where they're actually going to, he's going to get a lot of playing time at shortstop, but yeah, there's yep. the Braves will find a way to push, push guys into spots. Did you know that we sold out and we now have advertisements? Yeah, we've gone mainstream. We're getting $6. That's right. We've made six bucks so far. Can you believe it? What a dream come true. $6. Anyways, I wanted to give you some preparation some time to be cognizant that a commercial is coming your way i'm not just gonna throw a commercial mid sentence on you i wouldn't do that i respect you and i know that's annoying so here's a countdown for the upcoming advertisement from starbucks or spectrum comcast apple who the hell knows three a two one sick of being upsold at gyms 
My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. The thing I love about Harris is you have the power speed yeah. combination. I do believe if you're looking three years down the road, I think Grissom could be the better overall hitter. Interesting. Okay. I think he's going to have an average power, average plus power that is going to be a better overall package. And I don't know that Harris has the overall upside as a hitter. His overall upside as a player is absolutely higher because of the defense combined. Sure. Yep. But I think he's probably more along. I think if if you get a Mike Mike Cameron type of line from uh from Harris, where you're getting maybe a 2020 line and you're getting 270, that's yeah. probably a, a what you can expect out of a Harris. And Mike I Cameron, not a, not a Daz Cameron line, a Mike Cameron line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I think that's probably <clears throat> I think there's going to be some seasons he does a little better speed wise or a little better with power, but I think that's probably where he sits. Like his baseline, his pulse. Yeah, yeah. But well, I think Grissom ben, could we be got a some... guy that could potentially get up to a thirty home run guy, and he's absolutely got excellent. The the wrist speed is just what I I blinds you when you watch him hit because he can adjust. And still flip the wrists and get a single. And it's just, it's so much fun to watch his minor league tape and see that. I think that long term, he's the better overall hitter. Yeah. Well, we had some, we had some uh, questions come in while we're talking Braves. So I want to make sure we get to the questions uh, because they're actually kind of running out of time, believe it or not. Okay. So (laughs) Chad had an interesting one here. The flip side. So not who had a great season, but who had a rough season this year. Um, the biggest MLB lose, minor league loser this year, and it seems to unanimously be Mason Martin of the Pittsburgh Pirates from my research. I always was a big Martin guy, liked him. Um, th- I think that he seems like the type of player that can work through stuff based on my experience from people who have talked to him. I haven't, but others have. Um, but it's an interesting point. What do you think about Chad's point on Mason Martin of the Pirates? I don't know if it's even so much Martin's fault. Um, I think Pittsburgh had some guys that have very similar profiles that are either at the same position or at other positions that yep. may bleed into that. Uh, a guy like Andy Rodriguez is going to likely play catcher but has a big enough bat that they're going to want to make sure his bat stays in the lineup. So he's going to probably get some DH time. Um, uh, guys like guys like uh, uh, Matt Gorski, he got injured. He missed a, quite a bit of time, still had a 2020 year, was one of the minor league leaders in slugging percentage, um, but absolutely is an outfield DH type. Uh, you know, those there's a number of guys like that. And then, of course, you saw all the guys that pumped up into the – uh, you know, the Cal Mitchells, the, you know, you yeah. know, the list of guys that came up and played in Pittsburgh that 
had a pretty solid either double A or double A and triple A or triple A season and got at least a little bit of run at the major league level, it's very possible that he got surpassed on their depth chart by quite a few guys having pretty solid seasons. Yeah. So and he's so the his big issue is his limitation in the field, like you said, mm-hmm. unless he's absolutely raking uh whoever's whoever's absolutely raking in that spot is the one that's going to get the first shot at it right yeah so being a first base dh type uh christian crespo what's up christian uh he mentions nick york as a disappointment this year what's your feelings on that i have my own but uh what do you think about nick york as being a kind of a disappointing prospect relative to his expectations which i think were pretty huge i think that's the big thing is i think he's a lot of folks expected a top 100 sort of guy that was going to eventually be. I think yeah. a lot of folks see York and they think Dustin Pedroia. And okay. I yep. just don't think he's that guy. I think he's a, I think he's going to potentially be a 250 hitting version of Dustin Pedroia, which means that instead of getting you 40 doubles and 25 home runs, he gets you. 25 to 30 doubles and 10 to 12 home runs and hits you 250 with quality defense. That's not the same player for fantasy players. It could be just fine for the Red Sox plugging up second base, but it isn't the same player for fantasy players by any means. And that's, I think a lot of folks were expecting that. And especially he had a really strong start to his minor league career um hit very well in his debut and so i think a lot of folks thought well you know shoot this is going to be who he is right and no that just he just didn't hit like that at all so so the truth is probably somewhere in between like ben said um but maybe not somebody you're banking on in dynasty but maybe you shouldn't have in the first place like the he did sort of come out of nowhere initially so then his expectations got really high as a result, but maybe they were a little too high in him to begin with. So, all right, here's, I like this one because I have him in a league. Matthew Z asks us, CJ Abrams, bust or trust? Do you trust Abrams for, I'm going to say dynasty leagues moving forward? Dynasty, absolutely trust him. Um, I, when so he was drafted, though, right? yeah. I was, I was on a, on a, um, I was I ended up on interviewed by a radio station out in San Diego and they wanted to know so who did we just pick? And <laughs> I said, well, I said projection wise there's I said you're going to get a combination of Jimmy Rollins and Jose Reyes. So they said, "Ooh." And I said, "Although I'm not sure what you're going to think about this cuz I'm going to tell you that he's going to have a batting average like Jimmy Rollins, <laughs> but he's going to have power and speed of Jose Reyes. They kind of <laughs> thought for a second, they're like, well, that still could be pretty darn productive. <laughs> and it absolutely can be. But I think folks got to be very careful on what their expectations are with him because I he's I don't see him. There's a lot of folks who've labeled him as a future batting champion. I don't see that in his swing. I don't see that yeah. in his contact ability. But there's a whole crap ton of speed. And when he does get the ball into the outfield, 
he turns singles into doubles like nobody's business. He has a knack, yeah. a really good knack once he's on on the bases of turning two into three, of turning, you know, so he's gonna get doubles and triples that he shouldn't. Um yep. smart play. And so yeah, I, I mean that, yeah. he's gonna be yeah, a fun, on top of the physical skills, yeah. Yeah, he, he's going to score you a ton of runs. He's going to get a lot of stolen bases. It's going to be, like I said, Jose Reyes in those really good Mets years, but hitting 260 instead of 290. So that's a pretty pretty desired player, I guess, in, in my book, personally. But, uh, you know, that's, I don't know. Here's my question. Is he a shortstop? I think so. Uh one of the things I was really, you know, I, I've always wondered that myself, but then I watched him when the Braves and Nationals played, and he is smooth on his yeah. transitions. I, that was, I was always wondering that watching him in the minors because there was some effort to it. There was some, you know, he could tell that he was learning it. Man, he was just. So smooth on defense, and just the transitions, picking up the ball, getting it to first, you know, picking up the ball and flipping it to second. And there were a number of plays where he was, you know, making a great play, defensive play to keep the ball out of the outfield and just hold a guy to an infield single on a ball that should have dribbled through and <clears throat> potentially could have been in the gap. Or, yeah. you know, things like that. You're just, the guy's making plays that, geez, that's, it's impressive. You know, and I think that's going to be something they really value, especially behind the pitchers as they come up. You know, they've got guys like Kay Cavalli coming up. They've got a young pitching staff that should start to arrive here soon. Yep. And, you know, that team has got a long ways to go. You know, to, to put it well, and he's bluntly. He's certainly more of a shortstop than my guy Luis Garcia. That is something we definitely learned this year. Is Luis Garcia is not a shortstop moving forward. But you know, the <laughs> two of them up the middle together, yeah, could not, a, that could work. Could be a really good defensive combination. I really think yep. they could be because I think they could be, and they could be two guys that could work offensively. But I don't think either of them are middle of the order hitters. <laughs> so oh, God. God no, yeah. no, I, yeah. I think. I think Garcia so we're gonna have to find it your, somewhere else. Garcia is kind of your perfect seven hole, six hole hitter. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, gonna seven. hit you 20, yeah. 260. Uh, but I'm comfortable with him hitting seventh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, yeah that's I, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Anthony left. Anthony's in the chat. Hey, Anthony. Hey, I'm I'm late. So Govier left. <laughs> yeah, we uh-huh. could we had the one where we said we were getting rid of him, and uh now we've we went through with the coup, actually, and uh, Ben and I are in the ivory tower of the Palazzo podcast, hanging out and uh, just just <laughs> taking over. Uh, Govier did want to know who is sexier between myself or Ben. That's a tough. You guys can I, have I, some time to think about that one. Our, our, our wives uh, may oh, have different Christian, opinions. <laughs> yeah, here's Christian on uh, Christian makes a good point on CJ Abrams. I'm going to read it. So give me a sec. Yeah. Uh, Christian Crespo said, you know, everyone is so crazy to, to dismiss Abrams. He was drafted in 2019 uh, as a prep. And I think he was young that year too. Uh, didn't play in 2020 in the 2020 season was hurt for all of 2021. 
And then he got forced to the majors really out of the blue this year because of Tatis and the Padres were competing and needed somebody there. And then he gets traded too to the Nats. Um, so Christian still believes he's going to be a very good player. I think we do too. Um, it's just a matter of what's he going to do for you for dynasty. So, um, that's a, I mean, we could talk about all this stuff. We could have a two hour show on this stuff Mm -hmm. here at Chad. Uh, another big winner to me is someone, another big winner to me is someone me and Ben have discussed at length. It isn't even due to a great year, but Jackson Rutledge coming back and dragging back into future starter conversation. Jackson Rutledge of the Nationals, big fellow with the big fastball. I actually grabbed him in a dynasty as a – he was basically free. Um, and yeah. I'm kind of glad that I picked him up because I'm agreed with Chad. There's a chance he's still a starting pitcher. What do you think, uh, Ben? He's he's at least giving him a sh- himself a shot. You know, he's, he's yeah. kind of getting at the point where – He's going to end up in Rule 5 drafts here soon and things like that. So, I mean, his team's going to have to make a decision to protect him. But He's so, on the perfect team for it. <laughs> yeah, that's just it. I mean, he's on a team that actually can do that. They can put him on the, and start, you know, and use up his option years. And all. I mean, he's on the type of team that can give him the chance to, you know what? Just go out there and pitch. Yeah, just just go out, take your friggin' beating. But, you know, yeah, that's just it. You know, they're who else are they going to throw out there? That's just it. So, but yeah. Um, well, Ben, we're, we're over our time. Um, so maybe we do part two next week. <laughs> ben still has <laughs> a ton of notes that we didn't get to. Um, let me give you some names of guys explode here. Let's do this because we didn't get to this and these are good. Um, this is under Ben's exploding, but to have some caution, I'm just going to list the names and then maybe Ben can give us kind of a quick reason why we should be cautious. Uh, Jackson Churio, the 18-year-old wonder kid that made it to AA this year. Uh, Zach Veen of the Colorado Rockies. Uh, Joe Boyle, 153 strikeouts on 102 thirds inning pitched. Um, and Gro- Gordon Grisifo of the Cardinals in his sub one whip. So these are guys who had great years, are exploding on the scene, but maybe there should be some caution. We'll let Ben kind of freestyle on it as to why that might be the case. And each one of them? Love all four of them. And I I will say I have at least one share of all four of those guys. It's not that yes, I don't these like are guys them, you want to have still. Yep. But I think they've each been pumped up pretty hardcore. And I mean, especially a guy like Churio has been pumped up big because of age related to level. But it's good to note that after he left low way, he hit 227, 292, 433 the rest of the way in high A and double A ball the rest of the year. Um, Just something to, you know, be aware of. Uh, Zach Veen this year, everyone notes that 12 home runs, 55 steals at 20 years old. Huge. But he hit a buck 77 in double A, in the double A time that he had. Now, that said, Veen is going like gangbusters in the AFL so far. So, Watch him because that that could be a big you know platform hit form for him to leap forward from. Um, but well, and Joe I love Boyle. that he's still playing well, and it's been a long part of the challenge of the AFL yeah. for these kids is that they've never played a season that long before, uh, and then they throw the AFL at them too, right? And that's a huge deal too. Yeah, uh, Boyle, all those strikeouts has some wicked wicked stuff. 
but he also walked 84. I think it's the, Mm -hmm. I want to say it was a top five walk rate among qualified pitchers, but yet he somehow had a 286 ERA. So be wary wild. (laughs) It's some wicked stuff, but he, you know, keeping it in the zone is kind of an issue, but Gordon Graceffo going up to double a for one, his overall ERA to FIP, there's a run difference. But it gets worse when he he finished the year in double A. He had a 394 ERA and a 507 FIP. So field independent pitching says that he was a lot worse than what his numbers showed once he got to double A. Um, mm-hmm. Just some things to be wary of that, you know, maybe there was some luck involved with the numbers that they put up. It doesn't mean that they aren't guys to be watching or holding on to, but they are guys that be wary of jumping in with both feet because there's some things here that are saying, Hey, just a second here. There's, there's something else going on too. So yeah. Excitement, but not perfection. Yes. There you go. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we're going to wrap it there. Uh, next week, maybe we'll talk some more on the same topic. Well, I love answering the questions too in the chat. So if we just do a chat next week, I'm happy with that. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> lots of cool names coming out in the chat. Um, it's already, uh, as Christian said, it's dynasty startup season already. So October is not AFL. too early to be. Yeah, it's AFL too, which is great. Um, so it's not too early to start thinking about this stuff. And then most importantly, we got playoff baseball. Uh, I don't know how the Americans are taking the schedule of the thing. For me over here, it's been absolutely perfect so far. I can, it's kind of baseball all day, um, the way it lines up here. And in, and in windows there, I can watch it. So I think it's absolutely fantastic. I like the staggered start thing. Um, I'm digging watching the highlights in the next day of the stuff I missed, like Jordan last night. So uh, baseball, absolutely not broken. They just need to figure out that playoff energy and put it in a box and keep it all season. If they can do that, uh, it's it's the best sport in the world. Playoff baseball is just incredible. You don't even have a team in the hunt, and I'm loving enjoying all of it. I was loving watching the Mariners smashing the Astros yesterday before I went to bed. Made me so excited to see them just smashing the Astros. And then you wake up and see, well, <laughs> not quite – uh, you know, the Astros and Jordan walk them off. So it was just, it was perfect. It's great stuff. So anyway, I'm rambling. Ben, take it easy. We'll see you next week as always. Uh, veteran chatters in the Palazzo chat. We'll see you guys next week too. And hopefully we'll see Govier back next week so we have a proper host. But by uh, then, that's it for me. That's we, it for Ben. Yeah, hopefully we've played game two of the braves Phillies series by then, you know, with all the rain, <laughs> you know, delays. So I think maybe we can riff on this for a minute, Ben. I think this that's going to be a good series. Oh, I, they they play well. The Phillies yeah. and Braves have, over the last few years, have played very well against one another. And so when this ended up being the series, the only, the, the big way that I knew that the, the, Braves would have a shot as if they got into the bullpen. And then Freed struggled last night. That was definitely going to be the Phillies game. And lo and behold, the Braves came back. Almost wasn't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
because <laughs> yeah. they got into the bullpen. Yeah. If yes, they would have been able to if they didn't have the Phillies didn't have that cushion from the early innings, the Braves would have had that ball game. And that's going to be what the Braves game plan has to be is to knock out the Nola, the Wheeler, the you know, all the way along. And what folks don't, you know, they've still got a cinder guard sitting there. They've still got, you know, they the Phillies got some depth in arms right now and Kyle Gibson and, you know, all these guys that they've got that you may not think are elite, but they can eat up some innings. They could give some length so that the good arms they actually have in the bullpen don't have to keep throwing every single night. So I've got a feeling maybe it comes down to something like defense base running. uh, And in that you got to give the Braves the edge personal, just my personal take on it. Uh, Real Muto's a weapon for the Phillies mm-hmm. on the base paths, but he can't cover everything. And I don't think the infield defense is great. So. And last night, the big play was a defensive play by Nick Castellanos. Yep. Made a tremendous yeah, right. catch. Unexpected, but yep. It on William Contreras. If he doesn't make that catch, who knows how how the rest of that inning plays out. So yep. that's that's yeah, absolutely. But that's that's but playoff you, baseball. You could see you could see, so much you could see Acuna hunting extra bases out there when he's on the base. Oh yeah, he was like a shark looking for that one small window to get in. So uh, I don't know. I it's, I think it's gonna be a good one. I think it'll be a tight one. We'll see what happens. But next week maybe they'll play play two games by then. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, I'm out of here. Take care, right. guys. We'll see you next week. Bye, Ben. Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.